Thank you for tuning into The World Game, a World Cup podcast. The podcast that will have everything you need to know about the World Cup. There will be recap episodes throughout the tournament, so you won't miss a storyline. Maybe there was a 90th minute game winning goal. Maybe there was some controversy. Either way, we'll dive right into it. My name is Peter Roman. I've loved football all my life, and thanks for joining me on this journey. Before we get into the episode, I just want to once again mention the migrant worker situation. Unfortunately, thousands of people died in the building of the infrastructure needed for the World Cup. It was a horrible human rights tragedy that should have never, ever happened, and my heart goes out to the victims and their families. Now on to the episode. All right, today's episode, it's the World Cup Final Preview. It is France versus Argentina. I can't wait for this game. It should be a great, exciting match. And these are two heavyweights, so it should be a good one. So the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to talk about both countries and the history they have at the World Cup. And then I'm going to dive into formations, key matchups, players to watch, all those things. And then end with a little bit of a legacy talk for this game. So we'll get started on the history side. So I'll start with Argentina. So for Argentina, they've made five previous World Cup finals. This will be their sixth game. So they won two of them in 1978 and 1986. And they lost three in 1930, in 1990, and in 2014. Argentina is a crazy football nation. Like, they go absolutely berserk every single time for their country. And you could argue Argentina has been the most successful South American team, at least when it comes to winning trophies, when you look at their combined World Cups and Copa America titles. Obviously, I think Brazil and Uruguay would fight them on that, but I'm sure Argentinians feel that they're probably the most successful overall South American country. And, you know, they have at least the case for it, I think. But anyway, so Argentina going into this World Cup final. This will be their chance to win their third World Cup title and put them only behind Brazil, Germany, and Italy all time. Brazil has five, Italy has four, and Germany has four. I'm including West Germany in this, of course. So Argentina haven't won a World Cup since 1986. But they've had a few chances at this, and they're no stranger to being in big games. So that will be part of their history that they're playing for in this game is finally getting the third title. For France, they're also fighting for a third title, but their history is a little bit different. So France have made the final three previous times before this year. They won in 1998 and in 2018 and they lost in 2006. If you don't remember that game, that was the game where Zinedine Zidane headbutted the guy and France lost in a penalty shootout to Italy. One of the most famous like football games of all time. So for France, it's a lot more recent history that's been really successful for them. Before then, they had only made the semifinals and they had never made the final before 98. But the 98 team, of course, was like really stacked. And so France over the last 24 years, you could argue has been the most successful football nation on the planet. They've developed a lot of really great players. They've been in a bunch of finals, and they've won twice, and now with a chance to win a third. So both teams going for their third championship. 
obviously really significant. And just the only other little bit of history for these two, they did meet in 2018. In 2018, France knocked out Argentina in the round of 16, winning that game 4-3, the final score. Kylian Mbappe had a brace. He had two goals in that game. So you'd think there would be more history, like more like recent history with that, but that Argentina team is mostly not here. Like Lionel Messi's still on the team. Angel Di Maria's still on the team. Tagliafico, I guess, is still on the team, but there's not a lot else. Like, most of that Argentina team is not here right now. So, this is pretty much a new team, plus a bunch of the French team that were there last time, Pogba and Kante and, you know, guys like that, even Blaise Matuidi, they're not here anymore either. And, you know, other guys like Lucas Hernandez got injured. So, this is a really different French team and a completely different Argentinian team. So, I'm not sure how much you can take out of their results, out of their matchup in 2018 but still a cool fact anyways. So, with the history out of the way, let's get into some formation tactic stuff. So first a few notes. France is currently dealing with an illness that's going around their locker room because Adrian Rabiot and Upamecano had to miss the semifinal against Morocco. And now it sounds like Raphael Varane and Konate might also be sick. So that's not great because that's three of France's center backs. So that's really, really tough. But hopefully some of them are going to be okay by Sunday. Fingers crossed. I really hope so. It would suck to see a diminished French lineup because of illness. That's like, yeah, that, that would suck. I just, I hope they're okay in time for Sunday so they can play in this game and be 100%. Because you never want to beat another team because they were missing players. You want to beat them at as full strength as possible, right? As the saying goes, if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best, right? It's hard when the best don't have their best players, but anyways. So that will be something to keep an eye on for this French team, is the illness going around the room and the players that may or may not be available for Sunday. The other French note that I want to talk about is Kareem Benzema. So Benzema got injured before the tournament started, and... For that reason he couldn't play and it's obviously it sucks for him like I feel awful because Karim Benzema is coming off the best season of his life he won the Ballon d'Or helped Real Madrid win the Champions League and this was going to be a chance for him to really show out at the World Cup because he's a player that might not be there four years from now considering his age well Benzema's injury was a three-week injury it's been three weeks so technically there's a chance he could come back and play. And there's been rumors about Benzema coming back and playing. We'll see if he ends up coming back to Qatar or not to play for this French team. But it's an interesting little wrinkle. Now, I obviously wouldn't expect him to start in the game if he does come back. But if France are losing in this game, I mean, there's worse options than bringing on a Ballon d'Or winner like Karim Benzema to try and change the fortunes of the game late, like in the last 20 minutes or so, if you need him to. So, interesting little side note to keep an eye on as well. Anyway, let's get into the formation stuff. So, France, the whole tournament has played a 4-2-3-1. So, four defenders, two defensive midfielders, three attacking midfielders, and a striker. Now, it's not a balanced 4-2-3-1. It's a very unbalanced 4-2-3-1. But that's done on purpose because of killing Mbappe on one side. And Mbappe doesn't exactly like playing defense. 
And so because he doesn't like tracking back, the other players have to do more of the work. So that's why Dembele on the other side, he will go box to box up and down the field while Mbappe is given more license to not play defense if he doesn't want to. And in fairness, I mean, Mbappe generates so much for them offensively that, you know, you could argue that it makes sense for them to employ a strategy like this. So for France, Koundé is going to start it right back. The center backs, we'll see what happens with the illness thing. And then at left back, Theo Hernandez should start for them. In the midfield, Chouameni has started every single game for them. Rabiot started every single game until the semifinal because he was sick. If he can go, I would imagine Rabiot would get his starting place back over Fofana. And then Griezmann's obviously going to start. Mbappe will start. Drew, I would be shocked if he didn't start. And then Dembele has started every game as well. So for France, there's not a lot of surprises with this lineup. The only surprises that I could see would be, you know, forced due to illness and not necessarily due to manager selection because Deschamps has pretty much gone with a similar lineup for every single game. Argentina, on the other hand, have switched formation a lot, and it's worked for them. They went with four central midfielders against Croatia to nullify the midfield. It worked. They went with a back three against the Netherlands to match them up. It worked. And then they've also gone with, you know, a 4-3-3. Like, Argentina's played a lot of different formations. They seem to want to match opponents quite often, or at least... They want to change their formation based on who they play, which I think is a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all, but it makes them a little bit more unpredictable as far as their starting lineup goes. These are the players that have played like every game for them over the last little while, though. Alvarez, since the group stage, has played every game. Messi, duh. And then we have Fernandez, DePaul, and McAllister. All three of those midfielders have played, or at least have started anyways, every single game. And I can't see that changing anytime soon. So those three will start in some capacity. It just depends what formation they're using. And then Romero and Otamendi have played basically every game. And then I would expect Molina to start on the right-hand side. It's a little bit of a question who they would start on the left-hand side because I think Tagliafico played well in the semifinal in place of Acuna, who was suspended for that semifinal. But... You know, the left-back spot, I don't think Argentina is like... I don't think it's a problem for them. I don't think they're going to be up all night wondering, oh, no, who should we start? They're both fine options. I just... I'm not quite sure which way they would lean in this case, but those are pretty much the guaranteed starters. And then, of course, Emi Fernandez in goal, but, you know, he started every game for them, just like Hugo Lloris has started every game except the Tunisia game for France. So those are the players that I'm very confident will play in this game or at least will start everyone else is a little bit up for grabs but we'll have to wait and see right as we get closer to kickoff so what are some of the key matchups in this game well Molina since he's on the right hand side and he's their fullback he's probably going to see a lot of Kylian Mbappe and that might not be a great thing because you know Kylian Mbappe is one of the hardest people to defend in the world so yeah that will be Probably a negative matchup for Argentina, but it's one that they're hoping he can do the best he can with Mbappe, obviously. He'll have support, though. Don't worry. They're not going to leave, or at least they shouldn't leave Molina out on an island against Mbappe one-on-one because that would be stupid. So I would imagine there will be a lot of support for him, but the primary defender will likely be Molina in a lot of cases against Mbappe, 
even if he will obviously have support from the center backs and from the midfielders. On the other side, for Lionel Messi, Messi's played through the middle quite a bit in this tournament, where he'll like drift out wide sometimes, but then he'll kind of play through the middle. If I was Messi, if Upamecano starts, I would target him. Upamecano, as we saw in the England game, he was targeted by Harry Kane, and to great effect, because he really struggled defending Harry Kane and a lot of the very talented English attackers. So if I was Lionel Messi, I would go after a similar strategy of going after Upamecano, because I think he is a player that you can definitely not only win your matchup, but you can really generate a lot of great chances out of winning that matchup and the compensating the team will have to do because you win your matchup. In the midfield, Chuameni and Rabio, like I said, I'm, I'm assuming Rabio starts, they will have to deal with a lot because in this French team, when they don't have the support from Mbappe, they do have some support from Griezmann and Dembele, but obviously you don't want to have Griezmann defending too much because he's super important for them going forward. So those two players will be very, very important because they will obviously go head-to-head with Argentina's midfield, whatever that ends up looking like, and they have to support in helping defend Leo Messi. So, don't be surprised if there might be yellow cards for both of these midfielders in this game. But of course, this is the job you sign up for, right? They've played pretty well up until this point in the tournament. And, you know, the workload's not getting any easier in this final for them. But of course, you're playing in a World Cup final. You relish the opportunity for more responsibility. Going to the other side of the field, we have Dembele and Acuna. I'm guessing Acuna starts, but again, it could be Tagliafico. So... That matchup's a little bit different because Molina will have to be a lot more careful about when he goes forward on that right-hand side, unless Argentina play a back three, but it, even then, I would still be careful about going forward against Mbappe's side. D- with Dembele, it's not as much of an issue because Dembele has to track back to compensate for that. So he's going to go box to box, and then it's a question of, on that left-hand side, can you exploit potential space that might be left, especially if Dembele goes forward at times. So... For Acuna, for Tagliafico, that will be an interesting little battle going on on that side of the field. And it'll remain to be seen whether or not they have support. And de- Again, depending on what formation Argentina starts. On the other side of the field, Theo Hernandez. I want to talk about him. Theo Hernandez will likely have a lot of space to exploit, especially if Argentina doesn't play with wingers. So he'll be really important for generating crosses because, of course, I'm going to talk about the next matchup here in a second, but with the defense keying in on Kylian Mbappe, Theo Hernandez will see a lot of space, and he will be the one to make overlap runs and potentially exploit the lack of players in wide areas from Argentina, depending, again, on the formation they start with. And then that brings us to the battle in the middle. When the Netherlands played Argentina, the Dutch brought on two really big, tall strikers, and that was a real problem. The Argentina center backs had a tough time dealing with that. Well, Olivier Giroud is no slouch. He is a big, tall target man. He is a guy that you can swing in crosses for. He's a very good header of the football. And Giroud versus either Romero or Otamendi or both that will be a likely very interesting key matchup because if you have Theo Hernandez swinging in crosses, obviously they can also do that from the right side as well. It's just I think Hernandez is more likely to go forward than Kunde is. But Olivier Giroud will be the man in the middle. He will be the target on those crosses. So Argentina, it's a big question for their center backs. Can they deal with the aerial threat better than what they did against the Netherlands? That will be a key, key match 
to keep an eye on. And then finally, the last little matchup thing here is just how Argentina want to deal with Griezmann. Griezmann has a bit of a free roll, so he kind of drifts in his positioning. He stays more centrally, but like sometimes he plays like beside Giroud, sometimes he drops off more, sometimes he like drifts in between the lines. So Griezmann's a really tough player to track. And so I'm curious to see how Argentina tries to deal with him and his movement and his ability to exploit space where there is some. So another key matchup to keep an eye on. But all of these are really fun. I'm really excited to see how these teams try to answer these potential questions and deal with these matchups in this game. There's a lot of good players on both sides in this game. And so I can't wait to see both teams give it their all because it's a World Cup final. It's the biggest game for most of these players anyways. It'll be the biggest game of their life. So no holding back. It'll be 100% effort. It might be a little bit cagey. Both teams might be a little worried about making a mistake. But then it takes just, you know, a moment, right? A moment positively or negatively, and it can change the whole game. And sometimes in the best possible way. Sometimes in the worst. We'll have to wait and see. But that's what makes the sport really exciting is just the being on the edge of your seat, right? And never exactly knowing what's happening at any given moment because these players in a game like this, sometimes they can step up and shine. Sometimes they can wilter. And it just depends how it goes. Finally, I'm going to finish on some legacy talk. So the legacy talk for this game revolves around both of these teams and how they will be remembered after this game is over. So starting with the two big players, so Lionel Messi, duh. Messi, he has almost the complete resume. Lionel Messi has won pretty much everything there is to win in this sport, except the World Cup. He hasn't won the World Cup. This is the one thing that has eluded him. He had a chance in 2014, and his team lost, and he didn't play well at all in that game. This is a chance to redeem the poor performance from 2014. For Messi, obviously his legacy revolves around his quest to be the greatest player of all time. Now, whether or not he actually is the greatest player of all time, I'm going to talk about in a different episode because for me, it just depends what you value. If you value certain things like Ballon d'Or achievements, and if you value certain things like you know, goals per game scored for your club and, you know, goals in finals for your club team. If those are the things that you value, you could absolutely say that Messi is the greatest player of all time. However, if some of the international stuff is more your speed where goals per game for your country matter more to you and, you know, playing well in big tournaments matters more to you, then you could probably talk yourself into someone else other than Lionel Messi. But again, it just depends what you value as an individual. But again, I'll talk more about that stuff in, in a different episode. But for Messi, it's his quest to try and be the greatest of all time. If he plays well in this game, that's going to help him a lot in his quest to be the greatest of all time. If he plays well and they win, that will help a lot. If he plays well and they lose, that'll still help him. If he plays poorly and they lose, that might hurt him a little bit. So... Interesting note to keep an eye on. On the other side, for Kylian Mbappe, Mbappe is at a different stage of his career because Messi's 35. This is his last World Cup game. For Kylian Mbappe, 
he has presumably at least two or three more of these tournaments to play in. And he won one already at the age of 19 four years ago. Now he's 23. Now he's, you know, starting to get into his prime. Mbappe has a chance to win the Golden Ball for Best Player of the Tournament. He also has a chance to win the Golden Boot for Highest Goal Scorer of the Tournament. So those things matter a lot. And in my opinion, if Kylian Mbappe plays well and his team wins, I think he's already a top 15 player of all time. Like, already, at the age of 23. If he plays well and they lose, that's still a big bonus in his favor. If he plays poorly and his team loses, well, you know, he still has his whole career ahead of him, and he still has a lot more time to make up for the loss and, you know, try and achieve a lot more things, because he obviously has a long career to go. He has a lot of things left to achieve. He hasn't won every single trophy the way Messi has. So that's kind of the legacy thing for both of these players. For the teams, for France in particular, this is a chance for them to be remembered as potentially the greatest team of all time, the greatest international team, because if you win back-to-back titles, you are immediately in the conversation for the best team of all time. France are trying to achieve that now. Didier Deschamps, their coach, would also become one of the most successful coaches of all time, so that's something for him and his legacy in particular. And for Argentina... Again, this is a football-crazy nation that hasn't won their third title in over three decades. So this is a chance for them since Maradona. Rest in peace, Maradona. First time since his passing that they have a chance to win the World Cup and kind of say, you know, give him a little wave from, from down below type of thing. So... That's pretty much all I got for this episode, but I just want to end on this final note. So, my final note for this game, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the game. This is a sport. This is a fun sport. And unless you have, like, a serious rooting interest in this game, if you're a neutral like me, just enjoy it. This is Lionel Messi's last World Cup game. And for everything he's given to the sport, for all the joy he's brought, for all the kids and adults and everyone everywhere around the world, you know, this is a chance to give a send-off in one way or another. Win or lose, it's a chance to give a send-off for thank you for all the memories. So, you know, watch and enjoy for Lionel Messi. Watch and enjoy for Kylian Mbappe and for the history that he's trying to make. Watch and enjoy for two teams that are really good and that are trying to win their third title. And watch and enjoy, because this sport is awesome. And I wish FIFA didn't run the World Cups, because FIFA sucks. But the sport is great. The sport is beautiful. And that's why it's the world's game. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I will be doing reaction episodes throughout the tournament. The music is from Pixabay. The whole thing gets going on November 20th, so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2022 World Cup.